Another U.S. congressional delegation has landed in Taiwan, the second in less than one month. This time around, the bipartisan delegates are officials involved in veterans affairs, national defense and foreign relations. The delegation touched down in Taiwan Thursday night and on Friday morning, the group paid a call at the presidential office and the Veterans Affairs Council. They greet each other, clasping hands. President Tsai Ing-wen received the U.S. bipartisan congressional delegation at the presidential office on Friday morning. Seeing the guests from both U.S. parties here today lets us feel once again the bipartisan support for Taiwan in the U.S. Congress. At 9.30 in the morning, the delegation went to the Veterans Affairs Council, where they sat with Council Minister Feng Shikuan. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Stepping out from the bus and waving to reporters is Mark Takano, chair of the House Committee on Veterans Affairs. He's leading a congressional delegation comprising representatives involved in veteran, military and foreign affairs. They include Colin Allred, Alyssa Slotkin and Sarah Jacobs from the Democratic Party, Nancy Mace from the Republican Party and several aides for a total of 17 people. Many of them have been vocal in their support of Taiwan. Right after landing in Taiwan, Mace tweeted a photo of herself in front of the plane with the caption, Just touched down in the Republic of Taiwan, followed by two emojis of the national flags of the US and Taiwan. Also on Twitter, Slotkin revealed that after news of her Taiwan trip broke on Wednesday, her office had received a blunt message from the Chinese embassy in Washington, urging her to call off the trip. She followed up, saying that she looked forward to an informative trip. Yesterday so happened to be Thanksgiving. They barely had time to dig into the turkey when they had to rush off to come to Taiwan. They are here to conduct exchanges with veterans and exchange ideas on their experiences. The focus is more on national defense than on diplomacy. The delegation had kicked off its tour of East Asia with visits to Japan and South Korea. Now they're in Taiwan to discuss U.S.-Taiwan relations and regional security. The delegation will also exchange ideas on Taiwan's reforms to the nation's reserve forces. It's the second U.S. congressional delegation to visit Taiwan in a U.S. military plane in the last month. Delegations from the U.S. keep arriving in Taiwan, reflecting the growing alliance between the two countries. Earlier this week, the legislative yuan approved an extra spending budget for the Air Force and Navy, allowing the government to spend up to 240 billion NT on eight weapon systems. On Thursday, the executive yuan announced its plans for the budget, which came to a total of 237.3 billion NT. It includes provisions for coastal missile systems, drones, and advanced anti-ship missiles. Lawmakers say the weapon systems will turn Taiwan into a hedgehog that China won't dare attack. In the face of China's increasing military threats, which have ramped up tensions in the Taiwan Strait, the executive yuan previously put forward a bill to provide a special spending budget for the Air Force and Navy. The legislative yuan passed the bill on Tuesday. The bill will allow spending of up to 240 billion NT on defensive arms procurement between 2022 and 2026. 
The executive yuan has proposed a 237.3 billion anti-spending plan that includes procurements for anti-ship, anti-air and counter-threat weapon systems. The budget plan allocates 79.7 billion NT to coastal anti-ship missiles, 69.2 billion NT to fast and stealthy multi-mission corvettes, and 3.2 billion NT for weapon system upgrades to equip Coast Guard vessels with during wartime. The plan also includes 8.9 billion for multiple launch anti-air rocket systems, 34.7 billion NT for ground-based anti-air missile systems, 12 billion NT for unmanned counter-attack systems, 12.6 billion NT for Wandian air-to-ground cruise missiles, and 17 billion for long-range Xiongsheng cruise missiles. Pan Green lawmakers have said the upgrades would significantly increase the density of Taiwan's missile systems, effectively turning Taiwan into a hedgehog that would deter a Chinese attack. These eight weapon systems are precision strike active defense weapon systems. They will turn Taiwan into a hedgehog and make the PLA think twice about attacking. They will question whether they're actually able to annex Taiwan. So this is very important for Taiwan's defense and complements strategies for the whole of the Indo-Pacific region and for peace and stability in the Taiwan Strait. When it comes to our economic development and our democratic systems, this is also quite important. Taiwan is moving toward producing missile systems domestically and at large scale. So this will be helpful for our domestic manufacturing industry and to improve the capability and quality of missile system production in Taiwan. It can spur growth in Taiwan's defensive arms industry. Taiwan is hoping to counter the Chinese threat not just with arms procured from the U.S., but also with its domestically developed weapon systems. The CECC has added six African countries to its list of high-risk countries amid the spread of a new COVID variant. That means arrivals from these countries or those who have transferred flights through them will have to quarantine for 14 days at a government facility after landing in Taiwan. Already 77 people in South Africa and two in Hong Kong have been confirmed to have been infected by the new strain. This strain was actually discovered quite recently, around November 11th or 12th. It was first found in South Africa. It was also found in Botswana. In South Africa's northeastern province of Gauteng, case numbers are ticking up rapidly, and it's overtaking the share of Delta infections shown here in red. The new variant is shown in blue. You can see that in just two weeks, its share has grown rapidly, and it has become the dominant strain there. A new strain of COVID has been found to be behind a surge of cases in South Africa. The international community is watching developments closely. From official figures on genetic sequencing, South Africa has registered at least 77 cases of the new variant. Over in Botswana, there's been four. Hong Kong reported one case yesterday, and now they found that another person who was staying in the same quarantine hotel was also infected with the strain. The new case had not arrived from South Africa, but from Canada. Investigations are underway to determine whether the infection was due to cross-contamination in the quarantine hotel. The strain is currently known as B11529, but could eventually be named new after the Greek letter. Its transmissibility is not to be underestimated. 
If we take a look at the characteristics of the virus's mutations, some of the new traits affect the way the virus enters cells, giving it increased transmissibility. Some of the mutations are related to its ability to evade the immune system. Some of the mutations are present in other strains that have been previously identified. There are foreign media reports that say the strain has more than 30 mutations. That's unprecedented. It perhaps accumulated many important mutations from previous strains. This is what virologists are most worried about with this new strain. As a precautionary measure, the CECC added six countries in Africa to its list of key high-risk countries. Starting November 29th, South Africa, Botswana, Namibia, Lesotho, Eswatini and Zimbabwe will enter the list of key high-risk countries. People who have been to those countries or transferred flights there within 14 days of arriving in Taiwan will have to quarantine at a government facility for 14 days. They will have to get tested upon arrival at the center and before the end of quarantine. Afterward, they will have to conduct seven days of self-health management. During that period, they will have to take a rapid test on the 6th or 7th day. The CEC is trying to catch all the infections it can at the border while urging Taiwan to get vaccinated. I once again call on those who haven't yet been vaccinated to go get your shots. We have sufficient vaccines now. You can now make appointments for a shot at medical centers and health centers. The CECC also announced the dates for the upcoming 16th round of vaccinations. Appointments for second shots of Pfizer will be bookable starting 10 a.m. on November 29th. Bookings for second shots of Moderna and AstraZeneca will be available on the same day starting 2 p.m. Administration will start next Thursday, December 2nd. As of Thursday, Taiwan's one-dose vaccination coverage rate stands at 77.46% and two-dose coverage at 51.75%. Taiwan shares closed down 284 points on Friday amid reports of the new COVID strain in South Africa. The market fell by 1.61%, landing at 17,869 on turnover of nearly 354 billion NT. The biggest losses were seen in the air travel sector, with Eva Air closing limit down. Meanwhile, pandemic-related stocks recovered from a lull to trend upward. Let's hear from an analyst. In the short term, we've seen pandemic-related stocks soar. That's for things like masks, infrared thermometers, cleaning products, vaccines and pharmaceuticals. This tells us that consciousness to our perceived risk is rearing its head. Meanwhile, stocks that have seen short-term gains are now being reined in. That's things like airlines, small and medium electronics companies and meta-concept stocks. They've all seen growth already, but it'll still be some time until they see revenue and profits. Mass companies like KNH Enterprise closed Limit Up on Friday following news on the new COVID variant. Meanwhile, local vaccine makers Medigen and Adimmune saw gains of 2.74% and 2.46% respectively. The climbing perch is a native fish in Taiwan famous for being able to walk on land. But even this tough species is vulnerable to habitat loss. It was once a common sight in Jingmen, but the population has languished in recent years. Now an animal protection society has bred over 200 perch and hope to release them back into the wild as soon as they can. A silvery fish flops to and fro in shallow water, moving forward determinedly. This is the famous climbing perch, which can survive hours outside water. 
The covers on the gills are shaped like the teeth of a sole. When it's out of the water, it pushes those covers out and uses them to walk across the ground. That's why it's called a climbing perch. If the water quality in its habitat changes or the environment becomes inhospitable, it can even climb onto the land to seek another place to live. The climbing perch is a tough and aggressive species. Fishermen are often stung by those salt-like gill covers. Unusually for a fish, it can breathe the air through its organs and survive outside water. As Jimlin's environment was destroyed, it vanished. But this year, it was once more discovered on Lesser Jinmen Island. Careful protection has brought the population up to 200 fish. I think that when we caught the perch, they were carrying the eggs already. We brought them back to the breeding ground and they were able to raise the next generation. We have more than 200 fish here now. Dozens of young perch swim in a tank, watched over with care. When their natural environment is restored, they'll be released back into the wild. The government controller has revised this year's annual GDP growth forecast up from 5.88% to 6.09%, the highest growth rate in 11 years. Officials say Taiwan's economy is benefiting from global economic recovery, as well as increased output by Taiwan's chipmakers. Tech exports also soared over the year, with the reshoring of Taiwanese companies back to Taiwan further driving growth. Despite the rosy economic outlook, inflation is creeping up. At the beginning of the year, inflation had stood at 0.8 percent, but it soared in the second and third quarters. Inflation is expected to continue, reaching 2.77 percent in the fourth quarter. The Golden Horse Awards will take the stage on Saturday, and there is a dark horse up for Best New Performer, whose name you may surprise. The star of radio is 62-year-old Ling Ju, who is better known as an artist. The movie is his first foray into acting, but it's earned high praise from the Golden Horse Committee. Let's take a look at his breakthrough role. A late middle-aged divorcee has lost his job. The loneliness of this single father is portrayed perfectly by Lin Ju, once known as an artist, now making his acting debut. The 62-year-old stars in radio and has picked up a nomination for Best New Performer. Being offered the role was a complete shock as he revealed. I was afraid to mess up such an expensive project. A movie costs a lot of money. Then I collected myself and thought, I've got to get a grip on this acting thing. I've got to get it clear. I think I can paint pretty well after all, so why not take a risk on acting too? I told myself, okay, I'll accept the challenge. It almost felt like that episode in the Romance of the Three Kingdoms, having to repeatedly implore the master to take on the role. The first time I asked him, he didn't say yes. It was only on the third time I asked him that he was convinced. It took most of a year for the film's director to get his leading man to say yes to the project. Lin is a painter by profession, but has also made cameos in multiple Ho Xiaoxian films. His fellow nominees for Golden Horse Best New Performer are all younger than him, but Lin knows he's their match. I would like to go up on the stage to say a few words about radio. 
the film has relatively little dialogue, relying on gestures and gaze to reveal the inner life of the characters. Lin is a newbie to the art of acting, but the Golden Horse Committee chair praised his performance as top quality. For movie buffs, this could be one dark horse to watch. Every month for the past three years, the Wanli District Library in New Taipei has been receiving parcels filled with bestsellers from an unidentified donor known simply as Mr. Lee. The mysterious donor has so far donated more than 300 books, none of which are repeats in the library's collection. To thank the man for his generosity, the library has set up a special area with all of his donations, which have all proven to be a hit with local readers. The librarian opens the parcel and inside are some of the latest bestsellers. Each month, this public library up in New Taipei's coastal Wanli district receives a parcel like this and sometimes several parcels. Wanli doesn't have any bookstores and we are the only district administered library. Buying books is an inconvenience for local residents so they usually come here to read and borrow books. Mr. Lee seems to have heard of Wanli's plight. He has mailed 51 parcels to the library containing a total of more than 300 new books, all of them books that the library didn't have in its collection. Every time new books arrive, local readers rush to get their eyes on them. Mr. Lee's donations are all top sellers. We put them on this dedicated shelf, which is very popular with our readers. The books he sends are all carefully selected. He doesn't send in titles that we already have. Mr. Lee has never identified himself at the library and he doesn't have any contact information on his packages. His donations have bulked up the library's collection, feeding the insatiable appetite of local book lovers for new reading material. The library has set up a special shelf dedicated to the mysterious and generous Mr. Lee. It says it hopes the spirit of his generosity will encourage such kindness in others, so that the children of Wanli will never be without new sources of knowledge. A new piece of natural land art has appeared at the National Center for Traditional Arts. Internationally renowned artist Ling Shunlong worked with local weaving experts from Ilan to create a rice straw installation. The artwork is a beanpot-shaped spaceship, as well as functioning as a set of benches. It's a one-of-a-kind Ilan exclusive. Welcome to I feel that the most precious thing about Taiwanese people is their attentiveness. Land artist Lin Shenlong's attention to detail has created this beanpot spaceship in a field by the river at the National Center for Traditional Arts in Ilan. From up in the air, the gigantic pod looks like a house, and a nearby human looks like a tiny doll. We created art with rice fields in Japan too. So I thought, we already have this experience, Let's do it here at the National Center for Traditional Arts. Local rice straw became a perfect medium for Lin. His bean pod is light-hearted and humorous, while curiously majestic. At 11 meters long and 4 meters tall, it's as dull as a bungalow and made entirely by hand. Lin enlisted the help of 18 master weavers to complete the work using traditional techniques, such as plating the rice into ropes and brooms. It took more than a month to lay 500 bundles of rice over a steel frame designed by Lin to create the pod's images. And there's even three sweet little bean chairs in the pod. In Yongmei community, everyone was so helpful. Our locals here came together to make the work. 
It's turning a daily life thing into a piece of art. It's not just a technique issue. It also depends on your mood when you're creating it. This is a piece of unique art that could only come together with hard work from both the artist and skilled craftspeople, combining heart with skills and local knowledge. As for these little bean chairs, even the grandest elder can feel like a little kid again by snuggling up inside one. And turning to the weather, seasonal winds will be blowing cold air to Taiwan until tomorrow with a brief respite from the chill on Sunday and Monday. Meteorologists warn that temperatures are set to drop sharply next week with lows of 14 degrees forecast for the early hours of Thursday and Wednesday in northern Taiwan. And even colder weather could follow as an even stronger weather system approaches the island toward the end of next week. Let's hear from the central Weather you can see that on Wednesday, there is a marked dip in temperatures in northern Taiwan, down to about 14 degrees. This is our forecast so far. The intensity of this wave of cold air will fall somewhere between that of northeasterly seasonal winds and a continental cold air mass. Temps will drop to their lowest in the early hours of Thursday. Over in central and southern Taiwan, there's a higher chance of radiative cooling, which could sink temperatures by one or two degrees more. Though next Thursday may see temps creep up, the warm weather spell will be short-lived as another cold air mass will approach Taiwan on Friday. The CWB says this year's winter season will likely fall within normal values with one to three cold spells with temps dipping as low as 10 degrees. Rainfall over the season is expected to be within normal to lower than normal levels.